If you are new to Mac, uh, we are excited about you learning who this Savior is that we serve. And one of the ways we would love for you to do that is by following along with us uh, in the Bible. And so Matthew has some Bibles. Just raise your hand if you need one. Uh, He'd love to give it to you. Uh, Also, um, we are open to you asking a question in this service. And so our, our desire is that you would leave equipped and leave understanding. And if you have a question that you think will bless the greater body, Uh, that's great. Feel free to ask it. Uh, If you have a question that you think is more unique and it's just for you, then please, after service, come see me. I'd love to talk with you. Answer it if I can. And if I can't, I'll say that and we'll, uh, and I'll get back to you with an answer. So, pray with me, please. God, we do thank you. We do praise you, Lord. And Father, we we want all that is within us to praise you. And we can only do that by submitting to the the lead of your Holy Spirit. So in this time, would you allow us to do that, God, so that we might worship you in spirit and truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to know if you guys have ever seen that first slide, this picture. Do you know what that stick is? Forget the little gold and green nugget on there, but have you seen a stick like that before? What is it? A divining rod? Yep. A slingshot? Oh, somebody in here (laughs) got some little brothers that it took out. Uh Uh-huh. Wishbone? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, as a kid, uh, I don't know where I became aware of this, but I became aware of it as a a divining rod where you could use it to either find something that you valued a lot or you could use it and it's supposed to get you to water. Like there's a a way, I guess, I don't know if you ding it and shake it or something. I don't know. But somehow I remember me and my friends playing in the woods. Uh, I lived in the heart of the city of uh, East Cleveland, but we had a gigantic forest kind of behind my home. And so we would play there, and I remember trying to use it, and it, 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 it never worked. Never found that water, but, uh, but over time, uh, I began to understand as I was reading and preparing for our scriptures today that, that this type of thing was called a, a, a dousing rod or a rod that was used to find precious metal or water within the ground. And it goes back to ancient biblical times, actually. Because the people that were used it were folks like magicians, folks like uh, sorcerers or enchanters, these people that would, that would use uh, spells and astrology and a variety of things to try to predict the future or to try to find something that's valuable. I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 2 with me. Daniel chapter 2. And as we enter into Daniel chapter 2, it's the, it's the scene of Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king, and Nebuchadnezzar's having these dreams that are messing him up, and he cannot sleep. So he calls in the leaders, and he says to the leaders, we're in Daniel chapter 2. It should be up here. And verse 2 says, then the king commanded the magicians 
the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So that they came, so they came in and stood before the king. All right, so he, he's trying to get some help. Help me understand this dream. Then verse 27 says, And Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery the king had, has asked. But there is a what? But there is a God in heaven who reveals ministries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And I know I'm skipping verses, but I'm just trying to give you some background for these people called the wise men. Go to the next verse for me. And lastly, in verse 48, he says, Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Go back one verse for me, buddy. In verse 27, it, it, it helps us understand that there's these sorcerers, magicians, astrologers that seem to be depending on one thing, but Daniel lets the king know, but God is the one who reveals. So when, when you see that, does it seem like the enchanters, magicians, and astrologers and wise men are on the side of God? No. And looking at this, it, it wouldn't see that. Just as a cursory look, you might not have a whole lot of background, but it seems like there's a contrast between the power that they use and the power that Daniel uses in trusting in a holy God. That lays the background for what we're going to be getting into today as we talk about the wise men. So if you could please turn to chapter 2 of the book of Matthew. Because we are in a part of the church calendar, and the church calendar is a little different. You know, we have our regular, you know, the world's calendar. The world's calendar, you get Christmas. After Christmas, you get New Year's. Actually, we just came through a crazy season of holidays. I mean, we had, what, what Halloween, then you go from Halloween to Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, you go to Christmas, Christmas, the New Year's. You just feel like you're, like, going and going, and right after one party, here comes another and I think the next big, the big holiday would probably be Easter uh, after New Year's. And, and there's just a, there's a calendar that our, our culture is on. Well, the church has its own calendar. Okay, so we just left the season of Advent. Advent is the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas. Christmas is the day we celebrate Jesus being born, entering into humanity, fully God, fully man. But then we enter into the season of Epiphany, which is what we are in now. And Epiphany is the manifestation, the actual appearance of God to other human beings. And so today we will be talking about Epiphany, this manifestation of, of, of God so that others could see him and acknowledge him as the King of Kings. So in Matthew 2, we're going to see how Epiphany connects with these wise men and we understand the kingship of our Savior. Verse 1, chapter 2 of Matthew. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, 
wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? All right? Now, these wise men, they are prominent. They are powerful. They are of kingly stature. All right? And as they leave their country, uh, they leave being in charge. They leave uh, being able to have mighty influence. And they leave having great wealth. So as they, as they take off to come and follow this star, which we will see in a, in a moment, uh, there, there's a bit of notoriety with them. You know, if we had somebody that's, that's nice and powerful walk in the room, they would attract your attention. You would be drawn to them. You would maybe ask, what are they doing here? Why, 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 is, this, why, why, why is this person here? Why is... Why is you know, who, who's the notable—the people of our age? I don't know why Justin Bieber's the first guy that comes to my mind. I don't even know his songs, but somehow—but Justin Bieber walks in the door, you're like, Justin? You know, like, there's, there, <laughs> these wise men have great influence. And so they've traveled from their town, and they come to the king saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, it's interesting— that what's associated with the wise men is astrology. They know the stars. They try to predict the future through looking at the alignment of the stars. But somehow, they've all been evangelized. Somebody has shared with them the beauty of, of, of the Jewish faith, and they are saying, man, we know that there's some stuff going on, but there's a king that's coming for this special people, and we want to know where he is. And it says in verse 2, For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I love this story because it gives us an example of God meeting them right where they are. How crazy is that? That astrologers get led to live out their faith, as we are going to see. These astrologers who, who dabble in, in trying to predict the future through the stars get led by a star. I've, I've, I, I, you and I have seen it. We've heard the stories of, 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 of the lawyer that is, that is a, a workaholic, committed and puts that before their family. And in the meeting of looking through the notes of the testimony of one of their clients, they see this person acknowledge God, and it convicts their heart to worship. You know, we've seen it with, with the landscaper that while they're, while they're cleaning and digging through the, the dirt and trying to take care and make someone's yard beautiful, they were all reminded of someone who told them long ago that God has formed man from dust, and then their faith grows. Or it might be a, a, a sister or a brother that worked in the trap house that was a drug dealer, and every week that same client came back saying, it's going to be my last week. I'm not going to see you anymore. And that client shares why they're not coming back, because they got Jesus. But for this reason, this week, it happens to stick, and that drug dealer says, I'm giving my life to Christ. 
How crazy is it that, that God can sometimes use the very things, the very situation, the very environments by which we do life to lead us? I personally was, uh, thought that I was the man on campus. I was a sophomore in college. I was in a fraternity. I was throwing parties. Uh, I was doing things that, I, for me, was the trajectory of uh, there's a daytime Leon that all the professors got, then there's a nighttime Leon that all my friends got, and I had a great time dabbling in both worlds. And a friend of mine kept inviting me to church at college. Don't you know we at college? If I'm not studying, I'm partying. Where's church enter the mix? And lo and behold, I go. And in the midst of a number of other things, God grabbed my heart in the very environment that I thought I, thought I was escaping church. Like I left home. The home was with mama and them. You see, family, this is a, a, a good reminder of God meeting us right in the midst of an environment where we're doing life. He grabs a hold and, 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 and can be the one that guides us. And so it says, For we saw his star when it rose and came to worship him. When Herod the king heard this in verse 3, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, Herod is a king that is kind of dabbling in both worlds. He looks at things and says, what's the, what's the best way that I politically can work this game? Okay, the Jews have power and influence. So it's probably going to benefit me to be Jewish. So I'll go ahead and, 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 and have a part Jewish connection so that he can have influence within the politics of that day as well as the religious affairs. So he has kind of on the books, he has under his leadership the scribes and chief priests. Now the chief priests are the ones that go and take sacrifices and will on your behalf go to God for you. They're kind of on his payroll. Then he has the scribes. And the scribes are the ones that are in charge of transferring and writing out the Bible. They are the ones who are interpreting the Old Testament for you. Somebody have a Bible? Can you hold it up for me? Can you go in the back and just start copying that whole thing? And when you get done, do it again. <laughs> I mean, that's the role of the scribes. You know, there's, there's no printing press. There's no, they're writing each letter carefully, diligently, and when they get done, they do it again and again and again. And so when you think of the wise person as it relates to the scriptures, who's going to be the person you go to when you need understanding? A scribe. The chief priest is there to, to help you deal with sin to help you deal with the rituals of serving your God. But when you need understanding, you go to the scribe. And so that's why the wise men who got these stars are working are also like, well, we see this star, but you guys probably have the answers. So let's go to you. And the way the story is being set up 
it seems like Herod having these two groups of people would be the ones that respond, would be the ones that, that, that have God on their side because he's got the scribes and he has the chief priests. Let's continue and see. Verse 5. They wanted to know where the Christ would be, was going to be born. Verse 5. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For far from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is like a, a, an encouragement to Bethlehem. When, when you say by, by, by no means are the least, I mean, that's, that's trying to empower you to see yourself as being valuable. Could you imagine having 15 brothers and sisters, all of them strong, tall, you being the shortest, weakest, and someone coming over to say, by no means are you the least. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a mental check to help you see that you, that something magnificent is going to be happening in this place. And don't overlook Bethlehem. And I'm, I'm not originally from here. Uh, home, Cleveland was where I was raised, but Detroit is my home. And I began thinking of like different towns that I could kind of associate. I'm like, I think I've heard of Romulus maybe once or twice. But I don't know anything about Romulus. It's almost like, Romulus, I know everybody goes to Detroit, but, but don't worry, you've got value. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, by no means is Bethlehem the least. But, 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 but while the people were excited to receive a Messiah, someone who will return with a strong arm, they didn't know that what was being prophesied was that he was going to be a shepherd. One who would not, not simply lead by force, but would lead with compassion, concern, a mighty comforter, a counselor. And so, they were, they, so the wise men knew to look for one who would lead in this manner. So then in verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, if you don't know, in most places, there can only be one leader. I know there's a lot of different nations and a lot of different uh, government societies, but we in America only have one president. And Herod was not interested in a second king. And so he saw this hope that people had. He saw this, this Messiah that was supposed to come. He saw this one that everyone had been waiting for to come and rule as a threat to the stability of his rule. And so, yeah, he wants to know where the king is going to be. He wants to know where this baby will be so that he can take advantage, so that he can kind of 
kill the competition. And so we go to verse, verse, verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. Family, this, this, this posture is one of, of, of bowing or laying prostrate. It's what people did when they entered into the presence of people in which they honored or were of royalty. And so now you have these men of significant stature travel all this way who are used to people in their presence bowing down now are in the presence of a mom holding her baby and they are the ones bowing, giving great honor. But, but, but this verse is kind of the, 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 the high point, the culmination, the zenith of, of, of my talk. And I want, you to, I want you to hear this clearly. Because if anyone should have been the ones who were showing up to give Jesus these, this, this, this prostrate worship, to bow down before him, it should have been Herod. Shouldn't it? I mean, he, he had the scribes who knew the word. He had the chief priests who were making a sacrifice. He had the chief priests who were connected to the people. If anyone should have been the ones that showed up and properly reverenced this child as the new Messiah, it should have been him. But it wasn't. It was the wise man. Why is that? And I don't want you guys to miss this. The reason why the wise men are used is to teach the entire world that Jesus' kingdom is greater than just that of the Jews. His kingdom was to welcome in all of humanity. That he will use believers, non-believers, Jews, Gentiles, all those who are willing to put their faith in him and be led by him and leave the comforts of their world to be able to have an experience with him. He will engraft. He will lead you. He will be your Messiah. And so God is using the people who you thought were the furthest away from worshiping him as an example of what it looks like to worship him. I mean, really? You're going to use the magician? The, the dudes with the stars? They're going to be the first ones on the scene to worship God and bow to him in a humble manner? But it, but it, but it, it but, but we, we understand that the picture was so much bigger than just that of the Jews. It was to transform the entire world. And, and, and we, we've seen glimpses of this because at times we are all, or most of us, are sports fans. And for those that are not sports fans, forgive me for a moment. But if you're a sports fan, you've experienced this. 
And let, let me ask you a question. If, if the Detroit Lions allowed only, allowed their fans to be only people who lived in Detroit, only people who on their license, it says city Detroit, those fans would probably look a lot like this brother up here. This brother up here. There we go. <laughs> because most of our city is black. If we said you have to live in this city only, Detroit only, this is what the fans would look like. But you and I both know that Detroit fans look like this. A variety of people, colors, ages, to the point now where when our team wins, you will go up and chest bump a total stranger. You find unity that extends far beyond just the limits of Detroit to Metro Detroit to UP. You got folks everywhere. You got people in other states that send pictures wearing their Detroit stuff just to let you know we still down. No one ever thinks of having just their team focus on just their city. And unfortunately, that was the mindset of the people during that time. This, this Messiah is coming for just this group. And God uses the wise man to say no. This reach extends far beyond what you think is my kingdom. My kingdom is many colored. My kingdom is many ethnicities. My kingdom is re reconciling Jew and Gentile to each other and to the Father. And so, family, as we celebrate Epiphany, we celebrate the manifestation of this God, we get to do so because his kingdom is, is, is far-reaching, is far-extending, and we're blessed to be a part of it. So then in verse 11, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are valuable gifts. Valuable in that day, would have been valuable in our day. But they, they came and they worshiped, and after worshiping, they gave gifts. And then being warmed in a dream, not to return to Herod, uh, they departed to their own country by another way. God continued to care for them and protect them so that Herod in his, in his schemes uh, did not harm them. We don't know if they go off to, to join a church and worship. We don't know if they become evangelists to their community or if they return back to astrology. I don't know. What I do know is in our church calendar every year, these wise men being led to worship Jesus is a story that's going to be told every year, every year, every year. And what I'm encouraged by is that these men were simply faithful. They didn't know that churches for ages to come would reference their worship. They didn't know that churches for ages to come would reference their faithfulness. They didn't know that for ages to come, we will be talking about how God used them to show us that his kingdom is so much greater than what we thought. But in their faithfulness, 
They follow God. And that's a great encouragement to me, a great encouragement. I pray to you all that one step at a time, one direction at a time, God leading us surely, steadily, faithfully, can have an everlasting impact. And so I was told or kind of understood that uh, it's very tough to talk about um, epiphany and this time of year without referencing New Year's resolutions. They always creep in, right? We always get somewhat overwhelmed by them as we, as everyone comes up with their long list of things you got to do. And I'm not against New Year's resolutions, but I will say that I want you to consider them in the proper vein, with the proper understanding. Because New Year's resolutions, from the way the world tells it, are based on you. How do you want to better yourself? How do you want to see yourself improve? But I want to say that resolute comes from being determined. That, that, that word means to be determined or unwavering, to be, to be committed, to continue at it. I want to say, let your resolutions not be based on you and what you get. Let it not be based on your selfish desires, but actually let it be based on if Jesus is king, the Messiah, and, and, and he is deemed and, and, and credited and worshipped appropriately as these wise men did, then how will you resolve to live in light of his kingship? What type of New Year's resolution will we bring forth that flows out of who he is, not just about who we want to be, but who he is in us? So I, I, I tried to, to write it up there, and I, I pray you forgive me grammatically, but I, I hope it comes up in a, in a way that uh, helps us see that because I acknowledge Jesus as king of all things, I resolute, or I'm determined, I'm a wavering unwavering to maybe pray in my relationship with the Lord. Maybe, maybe because he's the king of kings this year, I'm going to, I'm going to resolute, I'm going to be unwavering in listening better to my spouse. Maybe this year, not, not because of what I want to get and I'm going to work out so I can look better and all Maybe this year, because he's king of kings, I want to pause and allow my mind to help. I want to pause and allow my mind to be focused on God so I can see God how he sees me. Beautiful whether I'm 100 pounds overweight, 100 pounds underweight, Are we seeing that, that, that because he's king of kings, it should affect what our goals are? That it should affect how we set our own personal vision here? And my stewardship, what is it, it going to look like in this next year? God, do I start there by asking and seeking prayer, consulting with people that I love? Hey, you know me well. What are some areas of my character that I could grow in? Scary question to ask, right? Scary question to ask people who love you and people that are honest. 
But, but, but how amazing would it be if because of his kingship, we'd be about his goals versus simply setting our own. So family, I encourage you to live like the wise men in the sense of when he, when he reveals himself and he, he shows himself that we will follow faithfully. But that when we have opportunities to, to, to worship Jesus, that we would bow down, that we would lay prostrate, that we would avail ourselves to acknowledge him as king. But that we wouldn't be about the same old, same old this year as the rest of, the, as the rest of our culture. That we wouldn't simply make goals that, that, that are all about us. But that we would say, God, how can my goals be submitted to your glory? And ultimately, the goals that I have be from you and for you. And if you are a person that, that, is, that is struggling with whether submitting to Jesus is even worth it, you're trying to be your own leader at this moment. You're trying to be your own coach. You're trying to be in charge. And unfortunately, that is leading you towards a false reality of what it looks like to truly experience peace, to truly experience joy, and to truly experience comfort. Our desire is not to say that we are better than anyone else, but we are, we are willing to say that God is in control of all things. He is our king, and unless you submit to him, you're living a false reality. Family, will you pray with me? God, you're in control of all things. We want to submit our desires to you. May we make goals. May we make plans. May we strategize. But may we do so under your leading. That, Father, our own plans lead us to failure. How quick we are to give such great advice but can't follow our own. But God, you are our leader. You are our guide. And so humbly, Father, we come before you asking. We want to submit our plans to you. We pray, Lord, for for, uh, those that desire to grow in you, that you would lead them and guide them uh, in this local body. Those that have been connected with our church, uh, but we're not here today, that are still wanting to grow in you, Father, you would lead them to a place uh, where they can grow in you, come to understand the beauty of your gospel and the forgiveness and peace that you offer. Lord, we thank you and we worship you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.